Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. There's that famous picture of the, uh, there's that famous picture of the traveling Wilburys. Oh yeah. And they're all 42. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Roy Orbison's big comeback as an old man. He was, I think, 44 years old or something insane know, like so. that. But we were like, my, my friend said, please God, tell me Irene Ryan was at least over 60 when she did Beverly Hillbillies. And thankfully she was. Yeah. Well, that was a famous thing that, uh, that Dustin Hoffman and Ann Bancroft were only six years apart in the mm-hmm. graduate. Again, I know we all know this. Yeah. Yes. And, and well, uh, Angela Lansbury was only, what, two years older than. Uh, James uh, Gregory. Uh, 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 yes, Lawrence Harvey. I know who you. Lawrence Lawrence Harvey. Lawrence Harvey. And if Wilford Brimley and Cocoon were with us right now, he'd be too young to get any of our references. <laughs> really? He, he was, was forty-nine. He was old. He was old when he started. Yeah, I don't he think was he started forty-nine working. in Cocoon. Wow. Well, he, didn't, he didn't start acting until because he was a stunt guy or something. Wait, well, he was forty-two in Cocoon. Forty-nine. 49 yeah wow somebody there was what whatever the it was like mission impossible three and cocoon wilford brimley and tom cruise are the same age in each of those films mm. holy it, shit or something but wilford like, brimley yeah. was was born old yes, yes exactly some people are just yeah like same yeah. with angela lansbury both of them born with mustaches <laughs> <laughs> he was uh he i um i made i did a parody of the quaker oats ads on the ben stiller show and uh in makeup and then later i was on the same episode of seinfeld with him and i was genuinely afraid that he knew it was me because apparently he didn't have a hilariously grand sense of humor about himself (laughs) but when i had him he was just like will brimley (laughs) hi will don't kill me so, so Bobcat, I can't help but notice you have a poster for Santa Claus Conquers the Martians. So oh, yeah. Know. Yes. You know, that is, that, that is, is a movie that, uh, you know, when you go back and revisit, because I truly thought that was one of the best movies I'd ever seen in my life. <laughs> <laughs> and when I went back uh, and I told my mother all about it, my mother's patience of a saint that she listened. And then, um, yeah, it doesn't hold up. It's the song. <laughs> the song is great. The song is actually really good. But uh, then by goes... Milton Milton Delug, who was an accordionist who used to work with Maury Amsterdam on the Breakfast Hour. Wow. Was he was he on Fernwood tonight? Was he no that was Happy uh, Kind? No, that was Frank Duvall. Frank Duvall, I'm Frank sorry. Duvall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But wasn't there Milton Delug and his band with a thug or something like that? His band with a thud or something like that? I do remember hearing that name on something. He used to be, he, he was a sort of a minor player, I believe. Yeah. Wow, Wait, so I, got, is... I realized last time we saw you, Bob, you were, we were in the studio, so we didn't see, I assume this is your home. Is that, is that an oh, Evil Knievel lunchbox? Yeah. Fantastic. And, uh, and, and Rock'em Sock'em uh, Robots. Right, yeah, but the it's next to a, a, a Liberace. Uh, okay. It's like a, you know, a concert program. And I, I was making... Uh, a little movie called Police Academy Three, no biggie. 
And uh, <laughs> Paul Mislansky, the producer, was very upset because I said, you know those bad guys that we have at the beginning of the movie? I said, why don't we use the same bad guys to, to catch at the end of the movie? So I was... Uh, he went mental on me. He was so mad because I was trying to introduce a plot into uh, <laughs> Police Academy. It was just, so, it just seemed so easy though. Do you know what I mean? Just let's hire the same guys. Maybe show, have them Save show money. some. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. All the way around. It's a win-win. And he started, he really got upset with me and he was yelling at me and I, I did not engage. I don't, I don't. No, I, no. Well, you survived. No, but, but what I did was I was like, I was upset that he yelled at me. So I, we were in Toronto. I bought a ticket to see Liberace live in at Radio City Music Hall. And so uh, the next day, I'm not on the set. I didn't make call. And they go, where's Goldthwaite? And he goes, oh, he went to New York. What's he doing in New York? He said he was going to go see Liberace. <laughs> so I showed up two hours late and I had all these programs and Liberace <laughs> scarves and keychains. And I just handed it out to them cast and crew sorry about the delay everybody but everybody gets a liberace <laughs> soap on a row he really did sell soap on a row wait and then the cowboy what was the, the cowboy i remember that cowboy i had that there was a whole that was johnny johnny west johnny west yeah. yes johnny the sears catalog sure and you would just like they would have pages and pages of epic johnny, johnny west, west and stuff. captain that. maddox Johnny Wait, West, is that Captain DeForest Maddox, Kelly General as Johnny yeah. West? Yeah. No, <laughs> Joe, what does that like, look like? It, it looks like DeForest yeah. Kelly. It does. Yeah, it does. It also it's, looks like, I think I'm going to just kill myself today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's the most depressed <laughs> looking at I'm going to put this 45 right in my mouth. <laughs> I don't care if Barbie comes back. If you had to spend your life on Bobcat's shelf, you'd look the same. Well, no, we got, we got, we got, we got, believe me, they're only talking about two movies. We've got time. The the uh, uh, and Rock, have you? You must have seen Crooklyn, right? Spike Lee's film. No. Oh my God, it's it's actually my favorite. Not his best, obviously, but it's it's my favorite Spike Lee movie because it is just it's for people our age. Oh, all the that, toys, all the TV that, shows. That that pocket of time. Rock'em sock'em oh. robots. But which marks. which which two are we going to discuss? Because because we did our homework and watched four movies. Or oh, right. Okay. Well, we're talking four movies. Well, you could, I have no you idea. But wait, more. I still two. I still I need yeah. to. And then the post is that Elliot Gould? No, that's that's uh, that's a documentary I did. That's, that's a surprise. Yes, okay. Yeah, that's great. I've seen it. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. Um, that's a uh, a buddy. I did a documentary on Barry Crimmins, who who. Uh, uh, he would get so mad if you said he looked like uh, Avery Shriver, but he, <laughs> he just looks like Avery Shriver. Who are we kidding? Uh, uh, you know, if we're looking, I don't know if I want to show you because this room's a mess, but um, I I never had posters of movies I've made uh, uh, hung up. And we moved and I was like, you know, I'm going to do this. And I went to get a Shakes the Clown poster and I, I don't, I had to get one. I had to buy one because I don't own one. So I buy it online. Uh, I never open it up. I get it framed. I go to pick it up and uh, I autographed it. I bought my own autograph <laughs> on eBay for $45. It says, kill me, Bobcat Goldthwait. Uh, it's over there. Let's see if you can see it. There. This room's a mess. But yeah, it, that's Fantastic. it. And I, I even remember signing the autograph because the guy was kind of a nudge and I just was to over his shit. So I wrote, kill me on it. So if it, if it wasn't autographed, would it have been cheaper or more expensive? I would like to think it's probably, 
I would have preferred the non-autographed one. We were. I said to my girlfriend, I was like, we got to put this in the closet. She's like, no, that, that's going on that's the wall. Go dumb, on. Dumb. <laughs> my, uh, my girlfriend, to uh, Raz me, bought an 8 by 10 of me from like 91 when I was all hair and everything. And, uh, and it said autographed. And she opens it up and she's like, shit, shit. And I went, what? And she, and, you know, after I laughed, she goes, it said it's autographed and it isn't. Oh, <laughs> like, like I can sign it. I'm right here. <laughs> it's not like, the same. Joe, do you ever see, do you ever see stuff from all the movies you made and how much it goes for? And you go, man, I wish I, I should have said, I should have stolen some of that. that. <laughs> or, or at least taken some of it with you, you know? It's, we just uh, live to make money for other people. I we yeah. Yes. Yeah. We just want to make clutter for Bob Burns. That's what we want to do. <laughs> my my poster. I had a um, uh, I had to call Final Draft once for some technical help on something. It was a few years ago, and um, uh, I can't imagine. Remember the, the the history of violence poster is is Vigo and Maria Bello looking, and in the foreground there's a hand holding a gun, a big giant hand holding a gun. And I'm talking to the guy on the thing. And he goes, wait, J Josh Olson? I go, yeah. He goes, you made me a hundred bucks. I go, what? He was the hand. In the <laughs> violence poster. He was you so excited. <laughs> and, and he was just as nice. Just didn't go to his head. No, I, I was, he's the biggest thing on the poster. Put, put his, put his gloves on one hand at a time. <laughs> oh, God damn it. Um, uh, should we, I don't know. Who's going to go first? Do we have to do this? And John, we've established this. Official? We've established this, Joss. I have that poster that you are sitting uh, in front of. The very one? I have the subway, but the same image. Ah, okay. From You Only Live Twice. It's, it's a movie with the uh, movie with the plot of a fever dream. Yes. And uh, I was reading an interview with Peter Hunt, who edited the movie. And he said, uh, I had to cut out every scene where Donald Pleasance moved because he was just mincing. He was just mincing all over the place. So if you see the movie, he's only standing. It's hilarious. These and other insights will come to you if you listen to uh, Dana's co uh, commentary. On That's right. right. On well, November, 1st, November 1st. November 1st. Well, I can't tell Bobby, because there's a reflection here and I can't make it quite go away. But, but James Bond is... Um, he's got prehensile toes on his Yes, there's shoes, no gravity. So there's no gravity at work in that at poster. a 45 degree angle somehow. But, because, Well, you know, uh, speaking of cutting around uh, the action, the moving, <laughs> uh, one of the movies we were going to talk about was uh, Artists and Models. But uh, what, what, because I went back and watched it. And, and what's really uh, kind of interesting in that is I don't remember this happening too much where, uh, for some reason, Frank Tashlin, there's a lot of the a lot of the gags are off camera. Did you guys remember this or see this? It's really strange. It would be like Jerry Lewis starts to go down a flight of stairs. We don't see him go down the stairs. We hear it. And then a vase is rocking in the background. Mm -hmm. but, but that happens over and over in that movie. Like that's, Jerry, from, that's from his Warner Brothers cartoon days. Is it? I mean, yeah. but they see the crash. But I always thought like in in the cartoons, it was like you saw the crash because it might be too violent. <laughs> It's, no, it's just hard to animate. Oh, because I, when I was watching this movie, it was Jerry's like going, look, I'm not going down the stairs. <laughs> not go I don't know. It's, it was, well, it was it late. Was, it was the next, next to last picture. Yeah. You know, they weren't speaking. So, you know, anything's possible. But when I was a kid, that was like the greatest movie uh, because it was about comic books. 
Yeah, that's right. And it was, yeah, Batwoman. And it was, yeah, and it was, and, and, and of course, it, I was a huge fan, you know, because Bud and Lou were, you know, were not uh, together anymore, really. And, but did, uh, but did Bat Lady ever end up existing? Did they make well, there's a Bat, Bat, there's a Bat Woman? Oh, there's now. a Bat Woman come. Right, right. That happened I'm, after that. Wow. Many years after, yes. Should we should we I, introduce our guest? Because people have no idea who we're talking to, Joe, <laughs> or why. The fat lady, well, I yeah. think if they can't tell who we're talking to by yeah. now, then they don't listen to our show. It's uh, Bob Scratch, Goldfarb, and... Uh... This is The Movies That Made Me, with your hosts, Josh Olson and Joe Dante. But, but it's that's the other thing too it's just the the fat lady uh yes uh, uh jokes it's i don't know i mean it's not like oh cancel culture but it's i i, I don't know if we would put that in because because of all the movies we did watch maybe except one uh uh the punchline is that somebody gets stuck with an obese woman yeah there's a yeah. lot of fat shaming in, in like blmbg is how i like to call it <laughs> Okay, hang on, hang on, hang on. So, <laughs> yeah. so, so we got the, these guys. Have, but I'm trying to plug your movie. Okay, oh, we'll okay. shut up. We'll shut All up. Right. No, 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 no. It's uh, what is it? October 29th, right? Is when it comes out. Yes. Yeah, Joyride. Uh, now it's not the other Joyride. Joyride. It's not the old Let's... Joyride. That's not the one you think of because there's already been a movie called Joyride. Yeah. But this, this is, a, yeah. and that's. And there's the another movie film, coming out called Joyride what? that I don't really? know. All I again, this is the longest. Thing. I was just at Western Costume the other day work because i'm doing something and i walk in and one of the bins is for a thing called joyride i'm like what the fuck oh no <laughs> i did a i did a movie called stay which i thought was a much better name and then the company that put it out chickened out because there was a, a big feature called stay coming out at the same time but i kind of wanted that to happen like mm-hmm. i wanted someone to be sitting there going is Naomi Watts gonna blow a dog <laughs> <laughs> this is really weird when is that happening you know uh but uh, yeah, you know that I think uh, uh, the most starstruck I got at an audition was uh, Kathleen uh, Freeman was in the in that little holding pen, and I, I really couldn't talk to her. I was just like, because oh, she's really nice. Or she uh, was really nice. Yeah, I, I, but, had, I used her a couple of times, and, and yeah. she was just uh, she told me all these stories about Jerry. Very unflattering, I'm afraid. <laughs> but <laughs> that's, Jerry, how you, that's how you knew she wasn't lying. <laughs> but but Jerry was always 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 used her. She was always in. He, he used her up until a certain point when he asked her what he thought, what she thought of something he'd done, and she mm-hmm. told him the truth. <laughs> she said after that he never came back to her. Wow. <laughs> well um so great when i was like i hadn't seen that movie in such a long time and i was i realized like i, I think I, wait let's let, let me bob i'm gonna stop you are you gonna say what movie we're talking about no yeah josh oh no i was gonna say well the documentary oh, okay. is marvelous um oh, thanks uh and i've never seen artists and models it's called joyride it's called joyride yeah. um uh if if you're an action junkie get there early because all the actions are the first five minutes <laughs> and then it's just these two guys talking uh in a we, car and on stage yeah there is but, a car uh, crash and uh and yeah, yeah I it's, guess it's lovely though you know what you know what freaked me i mean it's hilarious nancy and i were laughing and she literally had tears coming out of her eyes but it's um 
if you had told me back when I was sort of enjoying the uh, comic stylings of, of young Bobcat Goldthwait and Data Gould back in the day, that uh, you two would team up to make such a heartwarming, life-affirming, <laughs> sweet documentary. Um, they're, they're, really, they're really the new Alan and Rossi. <laughs> Well, and I'm sure we'll have the same staying power. I, yeah, so I, we, we invited them to come on, and I think isn't the idea you're talking about movies new, with te- with actors who hate each other? Teams was that the, that, well, you know, the it, new Owens and samples is we the, did <laughs> we did pick teams, but the thing is, is the 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 Dana and I on stage, it was never you know I don't think I don't know if one of us is the dumb guy. Maybe I'm the dumb guy, and Dana didn't tell me, but you know it's. It's not that dynamic. By the way, I've always loved that dynamic. I've always, you know, I, I, like you were saying, you know, I, I loved Evan Costello. I love Martin and Lewis. I loved Hope and Crosby, all those movies um, when I was a kid. Uh, but we don't do that. It, there's, there's at no point does Dana point out that baseball players have weird names. <laughs> no, but, the, but you can, but you can feel the love. Yeah. I, I actually do think that's true. I, I really do. Cause I was trying to think of like, what is it? Um, and I think it, we do like each other. We do respect each other. Uh, and it's um, a very frank movie. I mean, you constantly you oh. talk about things that you did and said to each other in the past, and <laughs> I was you know, so brutal. You forgive each other. <laughs> it's it's it, all the while driving in the snow. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. I I I I make my case to apologize, and and Dana just squirms <laughs> because you know I mean like I there's 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 two kinds of irish catholic there's there's the oppressed conan o'brien dana gould and then there's me and the pogues you know where we <laughs> where we drink too much and we cry and we fall in love and we fight and it's all on our sleeves so i, I even though we have such similar lives I, I think that's basically the difference you know it's yeah Goof, goofus and mcgallant it is it's a story about a guy i know very very similar upbringing and family dynamic and it really it's the perfect snapshot he said to his dad dad i love you and his father went hey no problem (laughs) (laughs) it's like i'm i know it well do you know um well yeah just my family was always chaos i i don't know if you you know my brother's a a a first ad i don't know if but he he's another and um those and people makes, by nature it just makes so much sense because he was always like you know if everybody could stop fighting we could bring the birthday cake out you know so <laughs> I mean, he was, <laughs> mom is that a hollywood five or uh, you know, uh so Thank it made you, five. Sense. <laughs> yeah it just made he was always trying to keep everything together you know and uh and it kind of makes sense in fact we've worked together and he'll go you know you're losing the light you really got to pick it up and i go it's a true conversation i just went why did dad give you a car? <laughs> and he goes, that just came out of you so fast. You must, I go, yeah, man, it's been driving me nuts. For 30 years. I didn't get a car. Why would you, get, why did you get a car? Um, so yeah. Uh, so my brother's an AD. Sounds like an insult. Your brother's yeah. an AD. The, the thing, the one thing about Joyride that, that I was thinking about when you, when you look at it is, because it, you do get a concert film. It's Bob and I in con- performing together and you get all of that stuff that you would get. And then there is historical footage and us talking to each other on the 
you know, documentary ways. And what, what you get from that, it, it doesn't tell you how we became comedians, but you do get why mm-hmm. we oh, yeah. became comedians. And I think that that's not common in a, in a, in a film like this. And I it's, also think it's much more psychologically, uh, you know, dead, uh, Dana has like a, a mental breakdown, which I was so happy when I found the footage of him <laughs> freshly God. out of the hospital <laughs> and he's like quaking. And it was like, to me, it was as if it was like backlit, like, oh, here's Dana. Yeah. Actually, that's how I felt when I saw the Bob Hope footage. But um, <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, and then I have a, a, a public kind of breakdown. Uh, his was inside, mine was outside. But, but you know, I think like when you watch comedy, even like when I'm watching people I really admire and like, there's a fatigue that settles in at about the 40 minute, 45 minute mark. Uh, and, and I hope that this movie kind of skirts around that because- well, It's because only 70 minutes long, which is- It's like, 70 minutes you know, long on purpose. Same, same running time as Bella Lugosi meets a Brooklyn gorilla. <laughs> Coincidence? Joe, that might be the best segue you've you know, ever done. You're supposed to hide your influences, but uh, <laughs> you know, I'm all in. Let's talk. I one of the things I find fascinating about that movie is that they use their first and last names as the characters. Yes, it's like it's like watching Sleepless in Seattle, and, and it's uh, my name's Tom Hanks. Hi, you know, it's, like, <laughs> it's just lazy writing, but. They well, or is it the, the thing, who was it wasn't it wasn't and i don't mean to bear with the gentleman but didn't like tony danza always have to be named tony on his shows because he would forget his character's Probably. name and and i don't know how much this was lore that tracks but, i've never heard it but but, <laughs> but uh it does say that bella was was calling uh was was calling sammy jerry all the time and <laughs> oh, now I, I read that i don't know if it's true or not but I, I think like the, I was like, you know, they said the, I don't think it says it's 12 grand, but it has to be a lot. More no, it was that. more than that. Yeah. Yeah. It, it can't be. Yeah. I mean, the gorilla suits alone. <laughs> the weird well, thing the, though is I, I, I you're right. They have, they have this, they have their names, but Bella Lugosi, who is in the title of the film <laughs> is not yeah. Bella Lugosi in the no. movie. He's, he's, he's a uh, doctor Zabor. That's, yeah. that's one of the great things about the movie. That's well, this three. is, Here's a story that only that I heard that uh, the, when I heard this, I went, well, I'll run it by Joe because I don't know if this, but that pur- purportedly there was a sort of Bialystok and Bloom aspect to this that uh, uh, was it Maurice Duke, the producer? Uh, Maurice Duke's plan was because this came out right when uh, my friend Irma and was it? Irma goes west. Is that yeah, it? My I friend Irma goes west. Right, right. Uh, it come out and was a big, big hit. And they were, and the hope was we're going to make this and we'll sell it to Paramount so they can lock it up. And then the offer, the Paramount gave them a, 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 a potential offer. And Maurice Duke's partner, Jack Broder, went like, no, that's not enough. And Maurice Duke's like, you idiot. Now we got to put this movie out. Yes. And then and Jerry Lewis at first. And there's a there's a long, you know, there's a story of how Jerry became from, a, you know, Jerry knew Sammy. They did a sketch together on the Milton Berle show. Sammy played his, him as a baby or something. Right. Yeah. And he was a baby. He was 17. But I guess Jerry watched the film and he went, all right. 
you can release it. Good luck. <laughs> yeah. Well, when when and there's a spoiler. Uh, when Sammy gets shot in the film, Jerry allegedly yelled out, "Thank God." <laughs> um, but you know, I was wondering, like, when I first was watching it, you know, had this been like a case of like delicate delinquent, where it was all set up to be a Martin and Lewis film? Do you know what I mean? But it's right, like, yeah. no, this was not set up to be a Martin Lewis film. This was just people saying, "Hey, we could do that." Yeah, and I've got and- I've got a couple of problems with the movie. Uh, people on this. <laughs> People on this island speak some gibberish, and then they speak English. And uh, there's, it's never explained. They just they just speak this gibberish, and then sometimes they speak English. And and it's, uh, I guess it's supposed to be a. a I'm guessing they were on their way to Guam, so I guess it's, it's some a sort Polynesian of, island because so it's a Polynesian. Is, you you want to have Polynesian natives, you don't want to have black natives, or, right? You know, Asian natives, right? And, and also, Doctor Zabor's big experiment is he has a serum that can turn a man into a gorilla, right? Why? <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I, I feel like there's a gain of function joke in there that's I feel like the... that's more of a prank than a scientific experiment <laughs> but, then, but then when he gives it to the woman she turns into a chimp um, women right that's when I knew <laughs> that's when I knew this was fake that's when you call bullshit fake <laughs> fake so fake but, but it is for those uh, people listening at home who have never seen Bela Lugosi meets a Brooklyn I was gonna say, gorilla, yeah, could you could you give a little? It well, it, you would do it a better job than I will. But it was just, it came out at the at the at the very uh, on the uptick of Martin and Lewis's uh, not only success but 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 dominance. I mean, there isn't a cultural analogy today no. in terms of how big they were it, it would be like that remember that run of about seven eight years that jim carrey had where he right. was just so then you got to make that goal 10 years and then another 10 as solo artists it's just insane how big yeah they were. and the, yeah and in terms of especially in terms yeah in terms of comedy like there was nobody could touch them and they found these these people made a Martin and Lewis movie without Martin and Lewis. And I don't know, even know if it was because if it's legal, but it would have been a very interesting court case. Can you copyright a persona? Because they did get cease and desist letters from Paramount. But uh, it is also, uh, it is strange and shocking how much, how similar he is to Jerry. Yes. Um, when I was but, a kid, I saw that picture on television, and I thought it was a Martin and Lewis movie. Yeah, when you I, see... I had only been familiar with them from the movies and from TV, but the Martin and Lewis from TV is completely different than Martin and Lewis in the movies because the the whole the whole act really hinged on the fact that they were completely crazy and and did this nightclub stuff where he sang and got heckled and and they threw pies and they did all this. It was very Olsen and Johnson in a way. But you yeah. know what's funny? It's like when I watched the those Colgate, sorry, cut you off. But I watched the the television. Uh, Dean's getting laughs. He's getting lots of laughs, and he's being really funny. And 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 uh, he, he's not as funny as he is in the movies as he is live. Um, no, but he's but he also seems to be having a good time because this was yeah. back when they were really 
riding high, high on the high, and they were getting, you know, they were dro dropping thousands of, of stills from the Paramount Theater window yeah. to yeah. all those kids. And uh, I mean, they were they were they were like the Beatles in a way. Yeah, they really so, were. And and you can go into Inside Baseball about, you know, you need Dean Martin with Jerry Lewis at that point to provide ballast right and as a, as a leavening agent almost you know it's like the way people will put water and whiskey to just kind of cut it a little bit um it's uh that you needed that balance and that he's a very uh he lets you exhale a little bit but he's and, he's genuinely really funny well yeah well the in the theory was later when he became a part of the rat pack that everybody wanted to be Frank except Frank who wanted to be Dean because That's Dean if you listen to those old recordings he's effortlessly hilarious Dean Martin was the one that would come out and look at pretending to be drunk look at the audience and go how'd you all get into my room and that would get a big laugh and then Sinatra would do it and it would come across like a threat like, how'd you get in my room like, he didn't understand the well, nuance of a joke we, we paid tickets what do you, what do you, now I, I'm sure this is lore. Maybe, maybe one of you guys know. It's the story about Dean and Jerry walking through the Paramount lot, and they're they're in sailor suits, and and Dean says to Jerry, "So, uh, so we in the we're in the Navy this time, like, like <laughs> so we're in the Navy." Like he clearly <laughs> could not give a shit. And uh, I just love that. So back to this movie, though. Um, I actually wonder, Sammy is such a, uh, a fascinating character. Like you yeah. have this talent and your talent is just being so much like this other person. And then uh, you're going to get crushed if you use it. I mean, he seems like <laughs> a real tragic figure. You know, it's like um, he, that he, guy. That guy, that, that guy who impersonated Nixon. Remember that guy? Oh, David yeah. Fry. David Fry. Yeah. No, no. There's a guy who changed his name to Dixon. Richard, Richard Dixon. M. Dixon. Yeah, yeah Richard oh, M. Dixon. Oh, no. Yeah. That's well, awful. But uh, it's the, real, the, real, the real sad sack is Vaughn Meter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Wait, who, who well, somebody was he? Vaughn uh, Meter was the guy who did he, who The did First Kennedy. Family. Yeah, oh, and, and the, the, the record, the first family, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like this yeah. huge hit, and yes. his career was like, wow, I'm gonna, well, my whole career, I'm gonna yeah, be I got at least four more years of this. And then, yeah. and well, then that, was, like, that was the that was the famous show. Lenny Bruce walked on stage yeah. November 24th with poor Von Meter. Yeah, <laughs> too soon. Yeah, but there was to, to Dana's question. What wasn't there a case like? 20 years ago where uh, some, was it a coffee company was using a VO artist who sounded exactly like Tom Waits and Tom Waits yes. sued and won. Doritos, Doritos. Doritos, that was it, yeah. yeah. So apparently there are there are uh, legal precedents for being able to do that. Yeah, Sammy went on to narrate uh, nudie films such as Keyholes Are For Peeping. It's true. Yeah, pee holes are for. Did he? Um, what, what, what did he do it in character? Did he do it as? Uh, you can hear him. Uh, he sounds a lot like Sammy, and apparently he's in the brain that wouldn't die, which is. Uh, I've never spotted him. Yeah, really? he's listed. It's in his IMDb. That's an underrated movie, by the way. So he's also he ran a comedy club in Pittsburgh called uh, the Nut House, which started. Uh, I, I I don't know. I I want to find out. Uh, like Dennis Miller 
would play there in, Maybe, yeah. in prior. Yeah. Hmm. As you I, know, my, you my guys, standard line, hard to believe the occupation that gave the world Jack Ruby could produce some unsavory character. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, you know, as stand-up comedians, our, our, our tax forms look like we're clowns. Tonight. <laughs> Yeah. The Nut House. Yeah. Sir Dr. Grins. Sir These are real clubs. Yeah, there, there was a Sir Laps a lot. Uh Uncle what is that? Uncle Uncle, Uncle Fucker's Fun Chuckle Hutch was no no, there's an Uncle name. there's like a Uncle Funny, which was Uncle Funnies, Uncle Funnies. Yeah, which was always Ann Lander's slang for a pedophile in the family. You know, you have a funny <laughs> yeah, uncle. Funny uncle, that's right. Like, that's right. It's like I, I don't get this joke. This is horrible. <laughs> <laughs> does this get funny what does this get funny uncle gary yeah well even in Bur even in bird there's a night there's a nice comedy club in burbank california and the people that run it are the are the best uh uh but it's called flappers and really yes. yes where what are you doing tonight daddy going nothing uh it's uh <laughs> the last scrap of dignity i'm playing in uh, yes. st louis coming yeah. up so well, and then nobody's so, talking about Duke Mitchell, who was uh, his own. Yeah, who actually had a career more or less yeah. after that. Yeah, and was not was not into was was not into being an ersatz Dean Martin at all. Yes. Uh, had Ford, no interest in Francis Ford Coppola. Yeah, yeah, but he's also like that. You know, I guess that's the thing, and that you know, we talk we we'll talk about Abbott and Costello later. But obviously, you can't make these pairs. You have to have that thing where the people love each other. It's just you can't create it you can try um but there's he, he he's not even he's not like a dean martin he just happens to be uh, uh an italian looking guy who sings but he's, he's not a, a yeah, yeah. But he, he's, he should have been in the yeah but, but bob pointed out and bob pointed out it's really true that he's he's really doing tony curtis yeah, he's mm. not doing Dean Martin and his his pipes. He's not a crooner. He's like got this big thing, but it's really funny. It's like when 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 Dean goes to the song, he's in it. He's singing to the people. Uh, it, it's funny. We're going to talk about artists and models. It's funny to see him doing choreography. Yeah. You know, you don't think of him dancing, stuff, but he's actually doing choreography. And, and and this guy is just. It's like it, it's that it's so dropped in the song, and it, he's it's just big and loud and and. Uh, I don't know, man. Uh, I, cut out, I, cut out, make. <laughs> you, uh, what was so? So nobody here knows like what the reaction was on release, do we? That wasn't yes. much of a release. Yeah, it was. It, it wasn't was much TV, of a release. It was on TV so quick. Uh, oh, I mean, yeah. Like the year later. It actually caused a problem with SAG because it was on TV while it was still in some theaters, and that was a that was like a. It was it got flagged by the Screen Actors Guild. Um, Maurice Duke, uh, Maurice Duke, who produced it, who uh, seems to be somewhat of a of a legendary figure, uh, was five one, had polio, produced a lot of stuff, was friends with Shemp Howard, and uh, um, they would. He had a special car. What you're saying is he pulled a lot of wool. He, well, yes, the he ladies did. loved him. He, he did. did. <laughs> yes, in, in a in a. Uh, I'm not talking about polio and being five one. The, the no, no, just <laughs> like when Shemp, when Shemp's your wingman, I can't. Shemp's your wingman, but he was no, he was a producer and used his power. Uh, you know, he, he he wasn't taking Grace Kelly home, but he 
a, a lot of the gals, a lot of the jungle gals in uh, Bella met, uh, met the uh, the under the underside of Maurice Duke. Um, he would purportedly drive around town. He had a specially made car with hand brakes and hand accelerants because he was had polio. Wow. And uh, and uh, he would drive around and uh, Shem Howard would apparently scream out the window of the car. Help, help, a cripple's driving the car. Help, help, a cripple's driving the car. <laughs> and he was friends with Jerry. And, and um, you know, he was friends with Jerry Lewis. And uh uh, it, it, it's quite it's it's quite an interesting story. His goal was to release the film without their names on the on the poster or the marquee, and just to hope people would think they were seeing. Off. And it, if it wasn't for Duke, I would totally believe that was like you know. Do you think, the, but do you the think way I, the Knickerbockers sounded like the Beatles so much that it's surprising that's not a Beatles song. They're one but hit. Did, but did but did like did. Did Bella have to read for it? <laughs> He's like, what are you going? I'm going in for this thing tomorrow. What? It's called Bella Goes to... I don't know why they're making me audition. It's called Bella Goes to, <laughs> to Brooklyn Grand. I still got to read for it. I don't know. Uh, I get, I, I'll do my best. Yeah. Um, and, then he, and then he just sees like a, an old script for the side, say Lionel Atwill meets a Brooklyn gorilla and like, oh, I see what's going on here. <laughs> I'm just, I'm thinking about those weird, awkward dinners with the producer and his buddy, Jerry Lewis, when, uh, you know, Jerry's like, what are you, what are you working on? Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, it's, 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 it's crazy. It's, cra- it's crazy, but it's he was an pretty. Incestuous business. Yes. Yeah. Well, he was very much, uh, a larger than life for for five one he was a larger than life character to be sure. Well, so this, I'll try to do an abbreviated version of this. My my Jerry story. Um, I was on a I don't know if you know this story. I was on a benefit in in London at the Palladium, and uh, Jerry Lewis was headlining. And uh, you know what? I might not tell this story. <laughs> <laughs> oh come on! Stop! I'm gonna stop. Jeez. I'm gonna stop, but uh, uh, yeah, it, it's it, it, for legal reasons. And I just, I just remembered halfway through, I was like, "Oh yeah, someone involved in the story isn't wearing a white hat," and uh, he he gets very paranoid and crazy when I tell the story. So, uh, or not when someone else told the story. But, but I will say this: Jerry was super sweet to me, and I got to sit in a dressing room with him in London Palladium, and he knees together and he was just regaling me stories with dean and him and just the doll like i didn't get the the you know the the, the dark the, side the, yeah yes. yeah it was so crazy for me i i i was because i was waiting for that i was right. like oh this is going to be horrible you know knock 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 and he was he i got the really nice jerry and he I must have a, i pulled the i, I can't tell that story <laughs> Did he, but he must have gotten what you were doing. I, like he understood that it's a, a parody. Uh, basically yeah. a knockoff. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, but no, uh, it's like, we, no, we no. talked about this before. Like, you know, Bob's, Bob's that the, the persona in the eighties, it was a, a parody of stand-up comedy. It's like, who is the last person on earth that should be doing stand-up comedy? This person. Um, and but, you know, I'm sure but, Jerry got that. But, you know, one of the things I can say, you know, get us into the other movie was truly when I was a kid, I would watch Lou Costello and I didn't really laugh, but I really liked him. And I was more like, 
oh, this guy, I like this guy's got good chops. I like his acting. Like, like I, and now going back and watching it, it's like Lou is very, uh, he's a child. He's, he is infantile. Sometimes people would say that about Jerry, but uh, that's not true. Uh, uh, and, 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 and with, uh, you know, with Bud yelling at him all the time, it's like, yeah, that's what a kid sees. You know, you're getting yelled at, you're always wrong. You're seeing things, you're not sure they're real. Mm. Uh, he is, a, he is a child where, uh, Jerry's just anarchy. Jerry's just, right. uh, Jerry's just all the Marx Brothers rolled into one. <laughs> yeah. What's, what's interesting is that, uh, Jerry was a big fan of Charlie Chaplin and, uh, Charlie Chaplin had his own Sammy Petrillo. Uh, there was a guy named Billy West, not our Billy West, not our Billy West, yeah. but there was a guy named Billy West in the time of Chaplin. That was just a Chaplin knockoff. That was a poor man's Charlie Chaplin. I didn't, I was the biggest Chaplin fan in the universe. I was a kid. I've never heard of this guy. Semi-successful Charlie Chaplin impersonator. <laughs> Semi-successful. There you are. <laughs> That's, that's how be, I knew him. I met him a, at the meetings. <laughs> that's going to be my new gravestone. <laughs> Semi-successful. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I guess you could. Was he doing like vaudeville? I mean, it'd be easy to yeah, impersonate musical. him. Yeah. I, I guess. I don't know that much about him. I do think it's funny. It's like. You you know you wanted to be cha- you wanted to be just like Chaplin and you, you get the bad stuff too. Although all of Jerry's paramours seem to be of age. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> when so the other movie well one of the movies is uh, going back to Abbott Costello. I'm sure you guys probably talk about this a lot. Uh, Not with you. Meet Meet Frankenstein. Well, yes. it has it has come up on occasion and it yeah. is it is a favorite and, and it's probably the well, the one movie that they made that has outlasted all the others even though it may not necessarily be the best one it's not it's not the uh it's not as funny uh but i maybe it lasts because there's just more of a structure how is it the greatest movie ever made and yet it's not their best movie i'm having trouble with this joe no, I didn't say it was the greatest movie ever made. No, I'm, <laughs> it is. I'm saying this is an empirical fact. I'm, I'm just I'm no, struggling I'm just, with I'm what just, you're... I'm just saying that I think Who Done It is a better movie. You know, in terms of in ter- first of all, there's no there's no music, uh, which is another thing about Meet Frankenstein is that they didn't have the musical numbers. And when I was a kid, it always drove me nuts that they had to stop yes, the comedy. Stop it was true with the Marx Brothers too. And they well, stop the comedy and they do songs. And stuff. Was, there are more. Yeah. There are more songs. Artists and Models has more songs than Let It Be. I mean, Artists and Models <laughs> has a song every thirty-five seconds. It's I I had I had written a thing that I, never you know will never get made or anything, but it was about like a a, a, a Abbott Costello like team and um and they and then this movie and it was based on uh based on what I think happened to Abbott Costello. They had the uh. <laughs> They had the sets and stuff from from the hits. So in my movie, these two guys got stuck doing uh, Frank and Sippy, where Frankenstein <laughs> is a riverboat gambler, and then there was uh, Hitler Ahoy. <laughs> Hitler was a U-boat captain. They just they would have all these sets, and then they would they got and they were the big uh, money maker for the studio. But they were just they had, yeah, had no rhyme and reason. Hitler Ahoy. <laughs> Frank and Zippy was like, they're playing cards. Hit me. Uh. <laughs> Hit me. Uh. 
Um, I, do, do you, this is the first time, because I, I really love Young Frankenstein. Uh, do you think that there, that any of that is influenced by that movie? I, uh, Young Frankenstein influenced anything by Adam Costello meet Frankenstein. Vice versa, oh. you mean? What's that? Yeah, I mean, do you think? Yeah, do you think Mel's influence it? Or well, Mel, Mel saw all these movies, and he and right. he liked them all, and he's very yeah. fastidious in the movies that he that he uses stuff from. All the they bases jokes on and uses sets and all that kind of stuff. And it, I I was always surprised he didn't do the picture in uh, in one three three square, you know, oh. that he did it in widescreen. It just seemed odd to me why he would do that because it was he was so meticulous about trying to make it look like i'd imagine it was hard enough getting them to give him a go ahead to do it in black well and white. it was originally at columbia and then they didn't make it because he wanted to do it in black and white right same uh, with uh same with ed wood originally at columbia yeah. and they didn't want to make it in black and white yeah yeah well yeah and young frankenstein also this is was it was originally gene's idea yeah yeah uh then he woke up and wrote on a piece of paper yeah and but it's much I, better known now than any of the Frankenstein movies are. Yeah. But it's such a love letter to the specific, to the universal ones, the straight ones. It seems to me right. that they would have gone out of their way to avoid um, any well, the, conscious It was just a couple of, couple of gags that kind of, you know, the spinning uh, secret. Uh, uh, oh, yeah, that's true. Spinning that's secret true. door. And then uh, I happened to notice how giant the knocker was uh, on the front door. <laughs> And I was like, I wonder if Mel saw that and said, "That's a that's a big knocker." <laughs> well, that's isn't that in Son of Frankenstein or the 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 enormous? I mean, there's so much of it it's, is is in probably. That song. Uh, he took a lot of Son of a lot of a lot of stuff. The whole the whole thing with the inspector is all from yeah. Son of yeah. Frankenstein. It's from which one? Son, Son, of, Son of Frankenstein. Son of Frankenstein. Oh, yeah. I remember watching Son of Frankenstein. I think last played year, played so. by Lionel Atwill. There we go. Yep. <laughs> Full circle. But I remember watching it, and and there is there's a giant knocker on a door, and and I was watching with a bunch of friends, and just everybody just burst out laughing. There was nobody <laughs> need to say anything. You knew exactly what it was. What's what's uh, what's what's uh, interesting too, uh, you know, Bela Lugosi famously was not in Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. They cast another guy that had never even played Dracula. Before. Universal didn't think it mattered who played Dracula. They were not interested in Bela Lugosi playing Dracula and I forget who it was but somebody kind of leaned on him with basically give the guy a break will you he he made you guys a lot of money and um Joe you might know who I'm talking about but it's uh I read it in some David Scal book yeah there's he's, there's a lot of interesting stuff in those books they Bela had also been given the short shrift by Universal on Son of Frankenstein and uh, they were gonna they were gonna lowball him and not pay him much money. And so the, the director Roland V. Lee uh, took I, I guess took his side and 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 completely threw out the script and added this character that Bella plays, uh, Igor, one of his best performances. Yeah. That's and the thing. That was all. That was all added. Well, that, that was never in the original script or the original plan. And he worked it so that he worked incessantly so that Bella could actually take home some money. Oh. And uh, and it was it was really a, a wonderful gesture, and it made the movie much better. It made the movie much better. That's the thing people always say that Bela Lugosi was sort of a hammy actor, sort of a mannered bad actor. He is no, he's phenomenal great. in Son of Frankenstein. That is no, not is. an he's easy great. role, not an easy role, uh, and uh, he's great. He's great in that movie. I uh, I have homework. I've never seen this. I need to really? see. Really? Oh, it's wonderful. Yeah. It's the oh. uh, it's the longest and most elaborate Frankenstein movie. 
Wow. In fact, there's so many. We did the trailer for Trailers from Hell, and, and they found an original trailer, and it's full of scenes because it was cut while the movie was being shot. Full of scenes that aren't in the movie. So the movie is like 99 <laughs> minutes long already. And, wow. And, and, and it must have, at one point, been even longer. And they, what's, what's more, they, they, had, they rushed it through to the point where it was like finished shooting in December and it was released at the end of January. I mean, wow. it was just an, uh, an amazing job of sticking this thing together. Uh, and it has a great score, which was used for 10 years after that. Yeah, Franz Waxman score? Uh, it's, it's, it's a, I think it's Frank Skinner. But it's it's okay. a, but it's a it's it's a it's a it's a wonderful picture. It's yeah. not it's not like the previous two pictures. It's it's actually quite a different movie. Well, yeah, this very, the very much structurally, it's young Frankenstein. Structurally, yeah. it's young You'll Frankenstein. Be at how much? Yes. Know, oh, okay. Structurally, and the sets are the sets are very expressionistic. There's a lot yeah, of they're great sets, and and yeah. and, and they really defined the look of all those Universal pictures after that. Yeah, and yeah, the the inspector from Young Frankenstein, Kenny Mars, that's from Son of Frankenstein. Yeah, almost and verbatim. The, it's and the, yes, it is amazing. And the famous the look of Frankenstein wearing like a fur sleeveless <laughs> sweater is from Son of Frankenstein. I don't know why that was there, but that that's there. Well, I have my homework to do. Um, it's a lot of fun. You'll really like it. It really is. Yeah. I don't, but you know, going back and, and getting ready for this and watching these movies, uh, it's it is fascinating to me how how uh, how uh, Bud Abbott is. You know, Martin and Lewis, they're in love, and they're two guys that would hang out together. Yeah. Uh, uh, Bud is just babysitting Lou. <laughs> He, he just hates him. He's just—it's just an abusive marriage. It, yeah. it really—it's not is even a marriage, marriage, though. It's like it's like a—it's a stepdad, you know, and and mom's out at, at a girl's weekend, and he, and he hates this kid, you know. He just hates this kid, you know. Uh, Dana and I were talking. It's like there's a big emphasis in stand-up comedy to 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 because like you could discover a comedian you never heard of and then one night you sit there and click and you've watched eight hours of their entire catalog so so people's people are are considered uh great comedians because they come up with this new hour and and i think of like Adam costello you know they they wouldn't have had the time to perfect you know who's on first or you know any other bits i mean i mean it's like I mean, I know who's on first wasn't theirs, but but to get it in that kind of shape and that kind of timing and well, stuff. Well, they also on the radio. You know, they had a lot of radio uh, experience, and they and they tried out a lot of those things on the radio. And 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 but the the shtick came mainly from John Grant, who was their main writer. Uh, and when they were doing, um, if you if you look at like the first picture, not the first one, but the first big one was was uh, Buck Privates. The 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 relationship between the two of them is so much as you described, but it's much easier. It's much simpler. It's like they they just, they just click. I mean, they're just so good together, and the, and the timing is so perfect. Uh, and and then they sort of build on that in the in the succeeding movies. But the problem became that Universal just kept wanting to repeat the same stuff over and over and over. So the movies, all the movies through the forties, are they're semi interchangeable. You know, I mean, it's okay. This one's this one's in the Navy, and this one's uh, on a college campus, and this one is, you know, but it, it's just an excuse to get them to to do their stuff, which which was remarkably similar to the point where they did their TV show in the fifties, 
they really basically recycled all the material from their old movies without the songs uh, and did it in, on, a, on the Hal Roach backlot. And it's sort of a compendium of vaudeville shtick. And of course they had all their, their vaudeville friends on with them and, and uh, the, the Who's on First routine and the, uh, the Susquehanna Hat routine, right. which is one of the greatest of all time. Uh, which is which is in in, uh, in in society is the name of the movie, but it, it which is the best version of it, I think. But but it's but it, it it they all reappear. All these piano gags and stuff, they all reappear in the TV show. I I was uh, I was fascinated to hear you say who was the guy that was like their gag man? John Grant. Because like I was watching that, and it's like uh, it didn't feel like it could be on the page. But I also know they didn't just show up on the set and ad lib this stuff because some of it's just it's just purely physical, purely versions of different takes and stuff. Uh, well, they used to ad lib a little because that's one of the reasons that they had more than two cameras. They had one on the two of them and one oh, wow. on Lou. And because they never, and, but the, the Abbott's great talent was getting Lou back on track if he, <laughs> if he went off the wrong way. Uh, and uh, apparently, and plus Bud was epileptic. So he, you know, it was oh. probably twice as hard for him to, to do that toward the end. And that's one of the reasons he drank so much. Wow. Um, I, didn't know, I didn't know that. I've appeared in a, I, I don't really like being on camera and I don't like, um, being i really i i wouldn't you know this is different this documentary being in something i direct i would rather not do that at all um but sometimes when i'm in stuff that i'm directing uh and i did this in this movie uh i will move people around so they're on their mark like, <laughs> like i'm hugging dana and i'm staring because he keeps getting out of the light there's a i've done this in a uh, it's not good. It's I know. Really... I've, I've done it too, and and I can. I, I. It's it's just a thing you do. It's like, and and let me tell you, actors don't like that. They <laughs> hate <laughs> that. And if you're guesting a guest director on somebody's show, and you go up to one of the regulars and touch them, yeah, and move them, that is not a good idea. Oh, that was uh, that was I, I was on I was on Community, and uh, and there at the time I would, did it. You know, they're this well-oiled machine. You know, they right so. So uh, uh, Joe McHale flubs and he, and he just picks up the scene and I'm behind the wall. And I didn't know this. I just was, this was probably the first setup of the day, first day on the thing. And I go, I go, uh, I go, hey, Joel, um, I say action. And I wasn't being a dick. And the whole <laughs> cast went, whoa. <laughs> but, but then at the end of the day, they were like, this is the first day we ever wrapped early. <laughs> well, okay. They liked that too. I must have. Yeah, they really uh, liked that. They were like weeping when I left. They were like, oh. <laughs> Here's something even more embarrassing. Uh, when we were we were doing an episode of Stand Against Evil that I had my uh, that I had written and was also in. And uh, we did a take where it's a bunch of characters. And after the take, the director said, great, now let's do one where Dana isn't mouthing everyone's dialogue with them. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen an adult do that. I've only ever had something oh. to do with kid actors. I wanted but. to throw myself <laughs> off a bridge. <laughs> I, had a, I had a kid actor I once had to cut around because she was always, you know, I should have caught it because I didn't. She'd be going. but i this is something that's probably a little surprising and uh, is that um uh 
David Bowie and myself had very serious discussions about doing a, a double act, about going up on stage to the point really? where to the point where he had written some music and and uh, uh, and now and in fact like a year later I would have done it because I got to the point where I was opening for Nirvana and stuff because I just thought it'd be funny to go out and eat shit in front of 6,000 people, which, which to me, that was pretty, you know, that's kind of meta. Uh, but, but yeah, David and I talked really seriously about this. And he said, so I booked a couple small theaters and, and I'm like, 2,000 seats. It, it, it's like, <laughs> you can't be on the bill. It has to be me doing stand up. He walks out, people go nuts. And then he tries to sing and then I ruin it, you know, but, uh, <laughs> But we definitely talked about it because uh, he wow. he liked he liked to laugh, and I think like you know like he I would I would bust his chops a fair bit, and he I don't people don't see think of him as someone with a sense of humor, but he would laugh, and he was telling me uh, the story of all the young dudes. He goes, I was in my car, and I heard that Mata Hoople broke up, and I thought if I go home and write a hit song maybe they'll stay together to record it and he tells me the story in a studio and i was like well why don't you bust out some of that shit in here <laughs> <laughs> if you could just decide to write a hit song i just and like he it'd goes, be funny like to do the 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 martin and lewis but it's you and bowie like ground control sing it loud you limey greaseball <laughs> <laughs> With a big cock on it. <laughs> well, you know, so he he invites me, and I take Tom Kenny to go see that Glass Spider tour. You know, and and uh, it's not, you know, whatever. He says, "So what you think?" I go, "Uh, it's like watching uh, Tom thought it was Angels in America, but I thought it was more like Guys and Dolls." <laughs> and he and he's looking at us and he doesn't laugh and he's like he's going through this rolodex he's like what is this sensation oh someone's making fun of me to my face i haven't <laughs> felt that <laughs> i haven't felt that in 30 years so uh then he laughed really hard and we we came pals and he used to come over the house and and he'd be in the rumpus room i had all this musical equipment my brother when he passed away he goes do you remember when you made bowie uh play drums I was like, yeah, because he wanted to sing. I was like, no, we need a drummer. <laughs> it turns out he could actually play drums really well. But no. I, I never, I, 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 Dana and I are on stage together, and it, and it, and I'm glad you guys like it, and it seems to work. But back when I was doing the persona that I did, I, I, I kind of always did want to find my dean, you know, and I, and I, and I never did, you know. What would have you mean? That would have to be just a complete straight man, right? I don't. Do you, have you guys ever watched Mighty Boosh? Do you know them? Sure. Yeah. Because I feel that they're as close as as that mm. could ever be. You know, they're they're pretty great. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, Danny, Dan, you want to talk about more movies? Uh, yeah. No, I was just. Well, I was just. Say, I was saying that. Uh, you know what? What you do? What you have in. Artists and models, and Evan Costello made Frankenstein. It's really the the you know the template of. It's really or or and you know it's it's a ventriloquist and his dummy. It's 
the guy trying to get the point across and then the force of anarchy on his lap. Like, you know, it's Dean and Jerry's act is really like a ventriloquist act. I was like, no, don't say that to these nice people. I'm trying to get this song across. Um, and uh, yeah, the Mighty Bushes were the last time you had that. What we're doing yeah. is we're just doing our acts and we're doing our, our acts in tandem and interacting with each other, but we don't have any, we don't have any, uh, we're not a two man act. But that's yeah, it was exactly interesting. I had not across, seen actually. anything yeah. like that before. And there's not so much of it in the film that I have a sense of what an entire night uh, with, with the two of you would have been like, but yeah, it seems like you're each sort of doing your, your own bits while well, the other guy stands there and uh, <laughs> pokes at him every now. And yeah. Then, yeah. Which is kind of great. Well, but they also stand and appreciate each other. Which yeah. Is, oh which yeah. Is, very much. Very much entertaining so. in itself. Yeah, and you, well, can, and you can always tell by the fact that the headgear changes from shot to shot how many different places yeah. they really <laughs> Was there any rule at all? I know we're not supposed to ask about this stuff. We're supposed to talk about movies, but but was there any kind of rule where like, okay, but when I'm doing this bit, you need to shut the fuck up? It was just we freedom. never, no. no, we never really discussed it at all. Um, it would, in fact, I'll oh, go ahead, Bob. No, it'd be the it'd be what we just did. That it would be almost bad. It would be kind of like Chip and Dale. It'd be like after you, no, after you. You know, it's <laughs> like it's like what happened to me? When did I when did I get neutered? Um, <laughs> well, you said Bob said this in, uh, earlier, and it's really true. Like, you know, I don't think we could have done this ten years ago. I think that we needed to get well, you to weren't a, you weren't who you are now ten years ago. Well, but we did also didn't. Have, I don't think we were as comfortable sharing the spotlight ten years ago. You know, mm -hmm. it's like there's a, you know, there's a reason that uh, comedians work solo. <laughs> it's like that's that's the level of my collaborative ability. <laughs> yeah, be in the microphone. <laughs> turns, out, turns out comics are great listeners. <laughs> yeah exactly That's you know comedy is based on this someone walks into a club and goes you know what this room needs me up there and everyone listening yeah that exactly. would make this better that's a big ego that's insanity yeah it, it's really true and uh you know to get to the point where you know you can be in the parade or you can watch the parade and they're both satisfying uh is the, is the point that we that we had to get to but in terms of how the what you see in Joyride developed. Bob and I were touring together just because we wanted to tour together. Because one, um, our combined uh, fan bases would allow us to fill a rock a rock club, so we didn't have to go to a comedy club for the weekend. We could do one night in the big venue, and and move on. And two, we enjoy each other's company and thought it would be fun to travel together. It's it beats traveling alone. And then we would go on stage, kind of hack around for a few minutes, and then we would flip a coin to see who would go first and who would go second. And that hacking around just got longer and longer and longer, and the people enjoyed it more. It and became then, so obvious. It's like, like we that they liked us just dicking around together a lot more than our acts. And totally. we're like, <laughs> and we both said we got it, we got a jettison doing the acts. Yeah, we were in, we were in Maryland and we just said let's try to stay on stage together the whole time. And that so was, that was, like, that was all of the planning that was in that statement. <laughs> that was like our, was it the 300 club or 500 club? Where did Martin and Lewis get together? It was like in Atlantic city. Um, 
Joe, did you, and I don't know if it would even make sense, did you ever meet Frank Tashlin? No, never did. Oh, yeah. No, I would have loved to, but no, I, I never did. Because, I mean, do you, do you see a similarity in your work and his? Uh, I've been I've been told. Oh, really? <laughs> no, actually, really? There's, a, there's a guy named Ethan DeCeef who wrote a book about Tashlin, and one of the chapters is actually about me as a person who has inherited the mantle. Wow. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I, I love Frank Tashlin and uh, I, I love your stuff. So, but I didn't mean to put you on the spot. I do. It, There's it a is... lot of Tashlin gags and, and gremlins comes to mind easily. Yeah. No, I, mean, I, I really appreciate Tashlin because I, I encountered his cartoons before I knew who he was. And I'd seen, of course, the Martin Lewis movies before I knew who he was either. Uh, but the, the, the ones that he did, I think are much more interesting, even though they tend to be the later ones where they weren't, getting along uh but maybe that tension actually helps the movies are, are they not getting along in uh artists and models no they were not getting not not as bad as in hollywood or bust where they literally mm. weren't speaking but uh, i think it's like i wonder if that's what gave uh tash on the window to come up with these big gags and and visuals uh you know if you got two actors that don't want to well, together. I think Jerry was Jerry was chafing at the bit to direct, and I'm I'm sure he was uh, he obviously was friendly with Tashlin because he went on and did pictures with Tashlin yeah. after they broke up. But uh, but it was pretty apparent that he's studying and watching and yeah. learned a lot of stuff from Tashlin. Uh, and a lot of the gags are, are kind of the big visual gags that yeah. seem like they they're 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 from they're they're very similar. Yeah, uh, what's the one where? Uh, did Jerry direct the one where he's in that the house with all the women and he's the ladies man? That's that's Jerry. That's the one that is bought, Jerry. The cut with the big cutaway house. Yeah, but that that gag where he smears the paint on the he's cleaning the painting and it just smears it. Yeah, that felt very that felt very. Uh, well, he he he, Frank. he he used to credit Tashlin all the time for like you know I learned I learned all this stuff from from Frank. Apparently, he didn't learn a lot from Norman Tarag or some of those other guys. They they just sort of putting him through their paces. But what was interesting is that even at the when they were having, there was so much stories about how they were getting along, and they made this western called Partners, which Tashlin didn't direct. And the last scene in the movie is them sitting down and talking to the audience and saying, "Don't worry, we we love each other. We're going to stay together always." Oh. And then they sing this song about where we'll always be partners. We'll always yeah, yeah. be pals, you know. And it was sort yeah. of like even even as a kid, I didn't wasn't sure. You didn't buy it. Where's a what would you do without me? What'd you do, boy? Where's that one from? You know that that was You'll always do the just, do just fine. <laughs> uh, I'll have a tiny slump at the beginning and you'll eclipse me and then I'll come back and do really well. Well, there's there's a bit in Artists and Models because uh, I, I watched it again recently and I was wondering, I was like, is this uh, or the bit where they're, they're, they're doing their routine and they're painting mustaches on each other's faces mm-hmm. and and Dean looks at Jerry and Jerry looks at Dean and just like the, the sheer love exuding from them is is palpable but you also realize yeah but the other guy isn't in the shot like right what is jerry actually looking at oh oh <laughs> but it's it's beautifully cut and it just you you just feel this love and if you were you know if i was like a 12 year old kid watching that movie like oh they like each other but then you grow up and you realize you need to see if well, the other guy is there or not and, when i watched it again i realized oh this is why i've always had a thing for shirley mclean 
Oh, <laughs> she is. She's all in. She's all in. She's, she's flopping amazing. around. She's at, when they do a little duet. She's actually even doing Jerry a little bit back. I mean, oh. she's just all in. And yeah. uh, and that was my dream. You know, I was right after come. working for Hitchcock. Re- it's just right after the trouble with, Harry, trouble with trouble Harry. Harry. Really? And then uh, and then goes on to that set. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> kind of awesome. Uh, we're going to get back to Bobcat's amazing segue in just a minute. But first, we want to pause to thank our sponsor, MoviesUnloaded.com, the movie collector's website. They are not only huge fans of our show, but they feature many of the movies we discuss here. In fact, they have multiple editions of Bela Lugosi Meets a Brooklyn Gorilla. So uh, there you go. <laughs> you can easily find the movies we discuss here and add them to your collection. Sure, you can stream a lot of stuff these days, but when you buy your favorites, you watch what you want, when you want, and there's usually a ton of great content and bonus features like director's commentary, deleted scenes, and all sorts of goodness. Although, as far as I can tell, nobody's ever done that with Bela Lugosi meets a Brooklyn gorilla, which is truly our loss. Up to anything? No? Good. Then you have time to click the Movies Unlimited banner on our Trailers from Hell website and buy your favorites from hard-to-find films, imports, and more. Go now to MoviesUnlimited.com, the movie collector's website, where shipping is always free on orders over $50. Uh, also, should mention the entire month of October, it's a haunted Halloween with scary good deals on everything horror. So support our sponsor and head over to MoviesUnlimited.com, the movie collector's website. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And now back to our show. Well, speaking of people going from uh, uh, insane sets, that's a good segue to uh, <laughs> to <laughs> little little. You want to bring it up? Oh yeah, we were uh, talking about. Well, we were talking about you know because of this movie and partner partner movies, um, and or as they call them in the business, Joe, you might not know this, two handers. <laughs> it's a phrase. Uh, you know, um, one of one of my favorite. Uh, two-handers there was this weird period in the early 70s of these bizarre character dramas another another example would be scarecrow with uh uh gene hackman and al pacino and this is uh another one i remember watching it as a kid on tv late at night and i just thought it was the strangest goddamn movie i'd ever seen it's called little foss and big halsey oh yeah and I rewatched it in preparation for this. It's as weird as I remember it. Yes. It is a, it is the best John. It starts with Johnny cash singing. What, what has to be the best song ever written about dirt bikes. In, in this, in the same way that clam bake is, by right. far the best song ever written about a clam bake. Um, so we and, say it's, it's Robert Redford and uh, Michael, and J. Michael Pollard. J. Pollard and, and Robert Redford plays pardon my language, a piece of shit. Oh, he's such a dick. He, he just plays an <laughs> unrepented asshole in this movie. 
And and I'm and this is after Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, or or he might have made it before it and came out after. But it's six seven. No, it was the success of, of Butch Cassidy. He, that's why he wanted to play quote unquote something grimy. Um, yeah, well achieved. Um, <laughs> look, <laughs> look, we we all like anti-hero films. Maybe you guys can help me. What what is missing that? He is so like I really don't like this person. Like 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 he really should just be a villain because he's so despicable. And yeah. by the way, uh, hats off, uh, all apologies to Dice Clay, because <laughs> uh, uh, th- there is skill involved in being uh, a misogynistic that character that people uh, relate to. Because this is a right. misogynistic character that I I I want. Um, it can get you elected president. Yeah. <laughs> right right yeah it's just it's true it's it's very strange and then i even went down and started looking up positive reviews for it that called it funny and it is not funny funny. it's horrible it it does not have a light touch but uh if there's a joke we talk about it then we do the punchline and then we come back and then bring up the punchline again yeah <laughs> nothing about moving on lucille benson gives a very memorable performance as michael j pollard's mom in a way that it's pretty memorable and pretty great uh and it's 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 funny and just her extreme take on that person but it's it, it's tragic <laughs> her, her greatest her greatest performance is in private parts the private paul, parts the paul bartell movie Oh, uh, she she runs a uh, sleazy hotel in San Francisco where there's a lot of uh, strange goings on, and she's got a son who uh, makes love to uh, blow off dolls and injects them with his own blood. It's really quite a quite doesn't a sound like movie. a Paul Bartel movie, but I'll give it a look. Joe. <laughs> where's the where's the cannibalism? Uh, so this was him selling out. Yeah. <laughs> it was his first movie. Oh, it's his first one. Private Parts. Uh, I'll check that out. Did um, no. I mean, the, 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 that couple. It, 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 look, if you said that they had like a Gein-like barn in the back, <laughs> I totally would have bought that. If you just cut to them skinning people, going, "Where's yep. little?" I, I would have. Something <laughs> weird. I would not call film. I, I don't want to say weird because now it's, it's loaded territory. But but Redford spends so much time in the film with his shirt off, wearing a hat, different hats. Different I don't hats. know what the, I don't know what the hat budget. As a hat enthusiast, yeah. <laughs> that might be my favorite part of the movie. Is, he has is the, many but, many well, hats. Well, it's I, I very was it intentionally? I mean, it's very the iconography is very gay. Um, I mean, it's very kind of uh, you know the leather post kind of thing. Yeah, and, and I'm wondering if that was you know. Hmm. I also thought that Brad Pitt on the roof in yes. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood was very much a shout out to Little Foss and Big Halsey. Kind of, yeah. He's a clone. Yeah. He's the hair, the the whole deal is is the is that. Um, and supposedly Redford has distanced himself from this movie. Uh, he's you couldn't find it be- forever, and I'd, I'd heard that was intentional. Yeah, but I, I don't know how true that, that he is. thought. Yeah, maybe not. Yeah. Yeah. And- Michael J. Pollard is, uh, he's a, he's a, he's an interesting guy. Did you, did you work with him? Did you? No, I never met him. I worked with him. I acted in a movie he was on. He's very sweet. Um, but later. He passed away like 
a year ago, two years ago. Well, later on, when I was directing the Kimmel show and, and when I was directing Jimmy Kimmel, we couldn't get people to come to the live taping. I mean, they would really grab people off the street and, but he would show up all the time and sit in the audience and watch the taping. Maybe he liked the show. <laughs> I don't know why he was there. And a few times I would cut to him because he was never watching the show. So it would get a laugh. But I told the camera guy, stop shooting him. This is just, it's, it's gone from being funny to kind of mean, you know? But he would get a laugh. Like, you know, somebody would say something and then he's like looking around. <laughs> it's, yeah, and he, you know, he was a big deal. I mean, yeah. he co-starred in a movie with Robert Redford. And then he had, you know, he was a bit part in uh, Roxanne. Yeah, and but then he was one of the firemen in Roxanne. Oh, yeah. Right. yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? And it well, was there like, is something he play, about he, he played Billy the Kid too. He played the lead in a couple of smaller things. But there is something about him that you just like him. You want him to do well. Yeah. So so yeah. then so then you have a guy being just vicious to him and never having that moment where uh they they it's just so strange. Was it intentionally like did they intentionally avoid the kind of things like you understand why this guy's horrible or uh or the the, the makeup scene they just i was literally now that it's watching it again as a as an adult i was like is is this a shakespeare is this like a modern take on a shakespeare play that i'm unfamiliar with is it a is you know because it's not a morality tale uh really it's it's just a shithead. <laughs> well, what's a also interesting, and, and it shithead. goes to the theory about Redford pulling it. There's something about you. Know, you're talking about Michael J. Pollard, who could play incredible villains, like just awful people, and you still would walk away going, "I really like Michael J. Pollard." Yeah. yeah. And and Robert Redford, you like you don't walk out and my. I mean, I love when some actor will play a villain, a real shitbag. I still think my favorite Tom Cruise movie is Collateral. You know, where right. But. but uh, yeah, yeah, you don't you, walk out of little Faust going, wow, I really admire Redford. He's got Ray. You're just like, yeah, well, it's because he's the best looking guy in the movie. Right. You know, it's like Michael J. Pollard is perfect to be a villain. It's like, why, it's like why every James Bond villain has like a cow hand or something. <laughs> you know, they, always, they always have to have, they, they always have to have a physical deformity, a hoof yes. or, or something. Green um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, the horrifying the traffic stopping. Uh, well, so what we've learned is that all Bond villains could have been a producer. I bet Lugosi meets the Brooklyn <laughs> Gorilla. gorilla. <laughs> it comes full circle. It yeah. does. Um, it that just makes sense. <laughs> are there, are there, I mean, I'm just asking you guys, you're writers, are there rules to anti-heroes that, or is it because you're watching this movie going, yeah, I think that's how it'd be like to work with Robert Redford. I don't know. Well, he's not really, he's, he, yeah, he's a villain. Like an anti-hero is more, you know, that, that character who's not, uh, he's not your, necessarily your hero, but is saying things and doing things that I think sort of on some level you wish you could get away with. Right. You know, I, mean, I was trying to think if, if it's like I was trying to think like is is Foss a, a comment to Faust? Is he the devil? Is he you know is is that it? Is, you know I. This is the director that did Ladybugs with Rodney Dangerfield. I don't think it gets that deep, Dana. <laughs> well, then you didn't see the same Ladybugs with Rodney Dangerfield that I saw. <laughs> Do you mean the Carnival of Souls analogy? Um, <laughs> No, it's it, it, it. Yeah. Like I was really trying to figure out 
it, it, is, it is if this if there's a thread to little foss and big halsey and bella lugosi beats a brooklyn gorilla it's i really want to go to the filmmakers what what was the thought here yeah <laughs> <laughs> what was the scene yeah. that this tree yeah I, you're up I you do. get up in the morning you have some coffee you you get your kids to school and then you think i'm going to work and making what go <laughs> money <laughs> yeah but yeah i mean well is... maybe in one of them <laughs> but it seems like uh yeah it's just such a swing and a miss where 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 uh i i all for rooting for people that do despicable things and kind of secretly wish i was that person but this, this is guy. just like no nah, i didn't care about him yeah and uh and then the one guy that my heart always breaks for you're just going to pick on him for, for two hours. And then that's it. I'm like, what? Yeah. Uh, not that they were asking me what I thought. But, so here's uh, a question. Here's one that all our listeners can get behind and excited about, I think, because everyone can relate having seen the film. No. Uh, imagine that movie if they had switched the cast. And... Yeah. It, it... So we'd watch Michael J. Pollard with his shirt off for the entire time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Picking, picking somehow Noah Beery. There's an audience yeah. for that. I'm not quite sure where. And, and somehow, <laughs> somehow Noah Beery and Lucille Benson made Robert Redford. <laughs> but, but you know, it's the, it's the Marilyn Munster story. <laughs> there's, there's, yeah. I don't know what that specific audience is for. I guess it's dad bods, right? If Michael J. I don't. But the. Uh, I will say this, the dirt bike crashes and stuff are a lot of fun. That's mm-hmm. pretty cool. But when they cut to Michael J. Pollard on a, on a dirt bike, he looks like when you give a baby a, a fake steering wheel in a car. <laughs> it's just like, it's like he's I, he's never been on a bike. He's never been near a bike. He's like, all right, look to your left. Look to your right. Okay, now look straight forward. That was great, Michael. That's a wrap. Um yeah, he, he just looks like he's he's driving. Uh, he's in a grocery cart with a steering wheel. That's what he looks like. And also, even as a kid, that drove me nuts in movies when they were doing, when they weren't obviously obviously not driving and you'd have actors who would have their hands at the steering wheel and they would just be constantly rotating the wheel. I, as, I, as I, they like I used straight. to look when, when the actor would be driving and looking over at the leading lady while not looking at the and the projection in the back is weaving all over the place. <laughs> Yeah, didn't you do that on police? Did you do that on police? Go, he's eating a sandwich or so. They're like pouring a cup of coffee. Yeah, By the way, did I did a lot of good jokes. On everything on I did go and buy the DVD after we spoke uh, last time uh, about Police Squad, and we I, we watched the pilot. And you know, you're talking about who's on first. That you sh- who shot first last. That that is tight as a snare drum. That I actually like it better than. Then who's on first? Because it's so it's so straight. Then you shot first. Who's first? He's the he's the guy that owns the bill. It's just uh, that scene is just. And it's funny. My uh, my uh, my better half cat uh, had never seen it and it was un was unaware of it. Oh wow! And but had such a funny. She was like, "Oh, this is heightened reality." Like she was, right. it's just like it's such a like a thirty thousand feet view of it like the first gag she was like get the fuck out of here like and and and, but it was great to watch somebody 
see it for the first time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And and I was going the whole time. I was like, going, yeah, see, see, <laughs> this came on when I was in 10th grade and our heads exploded. You know, do you, th- do you think that um, there's cinema comedy where you can do that stuff? And then it doesn't translate to television, that it doesn't find an audience on television. You could probably do it now. No, I, I think that the problem with that show was that it was a perfect parody of television and it had no laugh track. And, and, and right. it looked so much like an old 60s show that audience. And plus it had Leslie Nielsen, who was known as a straight actor. Right. And, they were just and, getting mad. And they, they just were... went like, what is an old, old Leslie Nielsen show doing on network? Uh, they're, they're no, but they'd, everyone had seen Airplane by that point. Yeah, I mean, but that's it's that was one part. I mean, he, he didn't hadn't established his comedy. had not persona, created him, which so he did on the like show, that. and then afterward made lots and lots of you know comedies. But yeah, but, but he was a, he was a straight actor. This this completely reinvented him. But it was so funny because Mel, I I I worked with Mel uh, in two thousand eighteen and nineteen, and he was talking about working with Leslie Nielsen on Dracula Dead and Loving It, and he would go. I'm not a physical person. If I get upset, I yell and then it's over and I try not to ever yell. You know, it's just like, uh, it's not worth it. Life is too short. But if I ever get my hands on the person that told Leslie Nils that he was funny. (laughs) (laughs) He goes like, you're funny. And I explained to him, you're you're funny being not funny. When, When you're not funny. It's hilarious. But he, by that time, was, and he was like, the footage that I burned. Let it, uh. <laughs> what do you expect from a guy who carries around a fart machine in his pocket? Right. I, I got but, him. A, I'm more method in regards to that. <laughs> <laughs> but like, that's but an you, example. But, like when things were rotten were, was, was, was a lot like men in tights. You remember mm-hmm. when oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. wasn't, am I wrong? Wasn't when things, or wasn't Men in Tights kind of a, a That's what I'm saying. It's kind of like Police Squad where, where they, they get the, the, here's the show, here's the, and, and, and the audience is on television, not, but then you put mm. the same, same tone in a, in a movie. Right. It's a big hit and they get it. Uh, maybe they did get it, but I don't think the movies were as funny as the TV show. No, they weren't. They weren't. I mean, wow. and and to me, it was just like, and you know, it was one of those things where, you know, a, a book is a movie, then the movie's a play, and the play is a thing. You know, it's like, no, this is, this is what this is. Yeah. This is the perfect. It's like you know, police squad is to police squad what a skunk is to smell. You don't get a more potent version of this than this. This is the thing, and you know, and, and it is ironic that the movies were actually more well known because they yeah, weren't a good. they weren't a patch on the show in my in my opinion. Always funny jokes, and thank God gave my my very close personal friend OJ Simpson uh, <laughs> some work. <laughs> Now, was it, there was, was something too about he wasn't funny <laughs> there but here's the thing that blows my mind the day of the bronco chase somebody had a sign on an over do you know where i'm going with this that said oh norberg oh no did <laughs> yes somebody like god no. and had the presence of mind to make it and get out there run out to the overpass <laughs> pretty good 
<laughs> we need to find that person. Just, just am amazing, amazing, amazing. So well, was it? I feel like there was kind of a thing too back then on TV, which which was um, our younger listeners will have no idea what we're talking about. Where you know a show would be on, the, the, things were scheduled together. You'd have like, you know, from eight to eight thirty and eight thirty to nine would be two different sitcoms, and they would invariably, I feel like they would sort of essentially team shows up with something that was sort of tonally similar. Sorry, Bewitched and I Dream of Genie were always. There you go. Or, you know, Cheers and Night Court or what have you. But what could you possibly, there's something about like, but, but Police Squad was so jarringly its own thing. You know, you couldn't just go straight from Family Ties into Police Squad. It would somehow throw. Well, people's. it didn't matter because they kept switching it around so many times. Nobody knew when it was on anyway. And then they then they took it off for like a month. And then when they right. like oh the no, I remember, episode, I remember chasing. It was that like thing. just was, they just yeah. dumped it. They didn't even tell anybody it was on. I thought the opening where the where the car went into the house was every episode, but it wasn't. No. Oh yeah, that was the, God. It just kills me. And then yeah, killing the guest story. Especially as somebody who watches. I will. Yeah, I will. But like, I watch Dragnet. Like, people eat popcorn. You know, I'll just put on the DVDs and and just let them run. I just love them That's so much. Because you can watch it with your mind off. Yeah, yeah, and those they move like a freight train, and I love the clothes and the whole. I love it's the so whole thing. It's yeah. It's, <laughs> Jack, Jack Jack was not. It, he was not interested in that. He was, um, he was flying he, in the face of noir. Anything yeah. that could get him to the cock and bull. Quickly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> now, you know this. You know the story about after Jack before lunch and after lunch. <laughs> this is uh, uh, this is not apocryphal. Somebody I, I don't want to say their name on the air, but uh, they were on a couple of dragnets and I met them. Uh, they were the they were the grandparent of a child in my daughter's kindergarten, and I recognized them in the the sort of parent room, and we struck up a friendship. And from like Jack would come in in the morning, and you'd get all the coverage. You get you know, and then he'd uh, and if, and they had to get all the coverage by lunch, and if they didn't get to the coverage by lunch, they'd move the clock back so they could get all the coverage by lunch. <laughs> and then when Jack came back from lunch, he was usually not suited for a close-up and that's when they did all the masters so when you look at the tops of the scenes where they're walking where where jack and bill are walking into the apartment half the time he's like not moving his arms when he walks <laughs> in the masters he's half in the bag because they've just come back from lunch now uh, it's overlit because it was so they didn't have to change the lighting they didn't, and they never changed his wardrobe. He didn't want to deal with continuity. We're the same outfit every episode. <laughs> it makes it easier. Um, I, I think I've told you, did I tell you the Broderick Crawford Highway Patrol story? About no. how, uh, uh, they would apparently, um, I've heard this from several people now. Uh, uh, there were days when he was incapable of, of uh, even standing. And they would lay him down on uh, a floor that looked like a wall, and they would put a filing <laughs> cabinet. They would put a filing cabinet on the floor next to him, and he would lean on it, and they would point the camera down on him, and he would shoot it as though he was leaning against the filing cabinet. Back to back to Abbott and Castell meet Frankenstein. Was it Wallace Beery or Broderick Crawford that was Lon Chaney's drinking and wrestling partner? No, it was Broad. Was it was Broderick Crawford? Yeah, no, they were because when they were at Universal, they used to uh, get snockered and they would destroy dressing rooms. 
Yeah. They like to wrestle. Now, the, and I, again, let's see if you guys know if this is a rumor or whatever that, that Fred McMurray on My Three Sons would knock out the season and that was that was part of his contract yeah his contract was they would shoot him in and shoot him out by a particular time which meant they had to shoot every episode all the just the scenes with him and and not the coverage with the other people so they would shoot everything with fred and then he'd go away and then they'd start back and they'd do everything that he hadn't been in which included conversations that people were having with him uh you know i mean it it must have been just a, a a logistical nightmare I have never in my life more wanted to have a audio cassette labeled the grumblings of William Demarest. (laughs) (laughs) I can't believe that son of a bitch, McMurray. So like it started with William Frawley killed him. (laughs) You're right. It did. It did. So, but like, so, like all the overs are just somebody else, like some other guys. It's not Fred. So when it's, <laughs> when it's dirty, it's not Fred. No, and then he's talking it's actually about, Dr. It's Dr. Tom Mason, a famous yeah, guy. Exactly. <laughs> and he's they saying made, they made a fortune with that. Show. And then he's like talking. It's always like, you know, Chip, you know, it's it's about your family. And, you know, and he's he's like, fuck you. You're not my real family. <laughs> I'm going to be in Santa Barbara. <laughs> I, I think believable. I, I can't think believe we, you guys have eaten up 90 minutes of our time. I'm about to say, <laughs> I, 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 I don't know say, what we were talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah when they do a sample cool. episode to prove that we are the most incisive and uh, on, on the ball interviewer <laughs> yeah. in podcasting, Joey, I feel well, like this is the episode. As well as, as this is usually the point, and, and you know, and by the way, this is just what our show was like. You just yeah. happen to be with us. There's this is about the time where, with ADHD. Yeah. yeah. This is around the time where Bob would turn to the crowd and go, by the way, just so you know, this is the show. Yeah. <laughs> there always is that point where they're going, are they did they start? This, <laughs> this is just they're just talking. This is yeah. Did we introduce our guests yet? No, yeah, we, 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 uh, we are uh... <laughs> Which we're also, I don't know the name of this. The his name is me. No. Oh, sorry. Uh, sorry. Makeup, uh, makeup, makeup artist. Really great guy. Really Jack funny guy. I'm, I'm bl- no current guy. I'm blanking on his name. Um, he has Chris the greatest Nelson. joke. One of my favorite jokes. I'll think of it the minute we're done. And it's it's Why his don't you joke. Just tell us the joke without telling yeah. us his name. I well, I, unfortunately, I'm going to have to do that, but I don't want him to hear this and think I'm stealing his joke. Uh, the joke is, uh, so King Kong, they find King Kong on an island and they bring him to New York and they put him up on stage and the curtain opens and the people go crazy. The flash bulbs are popping and he breaks loose and tears up New York. If he didn't break loose, what was the show? It's <laughs> 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 the greatest joke. I have the, wondered uh, that as a child. Like, what, was, people, uh, what did people think they were going to see? What are they gonna it was, it's going to be. And a, now, there's King Kong, and now Edgar Bergen and Charlie McCarthy. <laughs> hey, Bergen. A, while this giant ape just stands was, there. He's going to do a song from the Evolution Revolution, the uh, Lance, Lance Link band. Uh, uh, oh, How are you, Matahari? That's a lot of peanut butter. <laughs> I don't think anybody under the age of 70 is going to understand anything. That's what they did with Bill Frawley in the last season of My Three Sons. They just gave him a mouthful of peanut butter and they looped him later. 
The, the four people, the four people on Earth that got that joke are all on the same show. I don't know what's going to take longer is editing this episode or or putting out the lexicon so that people can understand it. I don't think you should cut a word of it. Yeah, oh, I'm not going to. No, this is going to have to be like one of the, the J.R.R. Tolkien will issue the book that you have to read to understand the book. <laughs> this is the Cimmerillion of the. <laughs> Uh, we, so, so the movie, the movie's Joyride. Joyride. <laughs> and if you like just, this, you're gonna love the movie. It's the movie's got a car crash. I'm glad I'm wearing this headpiece because I feel like I'm talking you down on an airport movie. Come on, Josh, we're gonna land this bird. <laughs> and we're this will be dropping on the 26th, which also, um, uh, you guys are gonna be doing a, a live thing uh, on the 26th at Largo. Is that right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. then uh, and then we're off to Portland. Uh, but yeah, we're, so we're doing a little dog and pony show where we uh, do a Q&A. Can't maybe maybe Dr. Zayas might show up. We don't know. <laughs> we don't know. He's got an in is all I know. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, we're, we're just touring around. You know, it did remind me. Uh, I, I did this before with like a really small movie. I felt like Bill Castle pulling up. Like I, I did, I did a Bigfoot movie, so I went every place that had an art house. Uh, and Anne was like believed in Bigfoot, so it was all over the, <laughs> all over the Pacific it's Northwest. Both those places. <laughs> yeah, no, it was like it was you know Portland, of course, but it's like Ben Oregon, Sale. It was just yeah, just driving around uh, the West. Coast. It was really fun. The the cast and I would pull up. It, it really did run blast of that with the uh, pulling, you know, bringing out the posters and the. Uh, Bob Dylan of the Bigfoot community. I, I I don't know if you know this. I'm kind of big in the Bigfoot community, but uh, <laughs> but this guy so who he writes only Bigfoot centric historical songs. Uh, and first he shows up, then I introduce him. Then by the end, it, by the end of this tour, he was on stage with a bouncing ball to a song <laughs> about the Patterson Gimlin footage. Oh, I want to, Joe. I want to ask you about the Hopkins. The original uh, title of the song is "No, It's Not John Landis." Yeah, that's not John Landis today. <laughs> but I, I was going down some rabbit hole on the Hopkins Hopkinsville uh, Goblin and oh yeah, up. Uh, well that's because I've mentioned it in my show some hell about Invasion of the Saucerman. Yeah. Were you familiar with it? I mean, obviously, because the Spielberg script and all that. Uh, stuff, no, I but... was familiar with it because I, I, I had read about it beforehand. Um, but I didn't realize until I had read this piece that how much of uh, that movie, uh, Invasion of the Saucer Man, was basically cribbed from the story of the Hopkinsville Goblin. Wow. But also just so not scary Martians. <laughs> well, that, what was scary is that you keep thinking that these little people who are wearing those heads are going to break their necks. Yeah, heads are so heavy, and, and they obviously can't move without it like tipping over. Whatever planet they were from was the same planet that the Peanuts cast were from. <laughs> they had these large bulbous heads. But uh, next uh, 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 November, the first or second week of November, I'm driving to Kentucky to to go there and research that and stuff because I oh, am really? fascinated. Oh yeah, oh, okay. I'm fascinated by that. And I, no, and it's I, a good, it's a good, it's a good. Story. Just for fun, or are you doing something? No, no, but I mean, it's he's remaking Invasion of the Saucer Man, which is you know a perfectly oh, good you, movie to remake. It's like a, it, just to further establish my bona fides. Uh, those heads were built and designed by Paul Blaisdell. 
Thank you. That's right. But he was too he was too big to wear them. Usually That's he wore right. his own stuff, but he couldn't, he couldn't wear that. Why do but, I know all this stuff? Two words. The ladies. <laughs> <laughs> no, you had the correct one. It is. It is. You know, a Blaisdell reference is definitely <laughs> oh, it's catnip. Cat, catnip for the women. Most accessible episode. No rabbit hole too small. <laughs> but I do feel that like the gremlins were kind of probably closer to what, what they people. probably looked like yeah yeah, yeah 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 this is really fascinating yeah so um i'm taking a field trip there and i'm gonna well, that's good to you gotta come to... back and tell us what you find yeah i'm gonna talk to as many folks as i can and they're and, still uh, alive there's like uh, there's a lot of like uh uh children of the people oh good because this but, took place in the mid 50s i think yeah and uh yeah and and also doesn't help your case when uh two of the witnesses are carnies <laughs> doesn't not really i rest my case this is seal of the seal boy would you like to speak <laughs> all right yeah i could feel you've been trying they're, to wrap they're the up. Uh, they're the last group you're allowed to say that about i think it's carnies carnies just an untrustworthy people in general is that right yeah, yeah. thank you gentlemen gentlemen thank yes you so thank much. you so much oh, uh, the movie's coming out friday um you can see them at largo uh you guys are gonna be playing what chuckles haha house next yeah, year yeah. dr but, grins but folks can uh, uh if you actually pre-order it on itunes it helps us because it moves us up in the queue yes yeah. and I'm, i really it's it's um we sort of make a point of of uh, uh the show's not fun if we don't like it um we, I, I, you did too, right? I really, 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 really enjoyed this doc. Oh, thanks. Uh, very good. Thank you. And yeah. I will, thanks. I will take this opportunity to say it's, it's, we're both in the movie, but it's Bob's movie. Uh, Bob, uh, well, took all that footage and, and, and made it into a movie. I'm just, I'm just stage meat. You can't, can't, you can't, uh, uh, you know, what was a great day was when I was looking over the footage and went, oh, uh, uh I'm the villain. <laughs> i've got to be the, i gotta really show what an asshole i can be or there's no there's no story so that was a that was not a great day but just, right. you'll, you'll you'll really like joy Ride. you should take a look at it it's, it's oh, no bubble to go see meets the brooklyn gorilla it's got the same running time so <laughs> can we we have our we have our pull quote <laughs> Our show was recorded from several well-stocked bunkers. We can't wait to get back to beautiful downtown Burbank. We're the official podcast of TrailersFromHell.com, the best damn movie website there is. Our engineer is the composer Don Barrett, who also transmogrified, produced, and created our theme song. This is Josh Olson for the movies that made me. Stay safe out there, folks. As a long-time foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China, where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts.